This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Insiders Podcast, presented by Commerce Bank, and it starts right now. Now, let's go to the WTC Gig-Powered Studios. Here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. It's another edition of the PowerCat Insiders Podcast brought to you by Commerce Bank. We're sitting in downtown Manhattan in the start of what should be a beautiful week here in the Flint Hills. Basketball season's almost over. Spring football is nearing, and we've got both sports to talk about on this edition of our fine little show. Tim Fitzgerald, Matt Walters of the K-State Sports Network from Learfield IMG College, Kellis Robinette from the Wichita Eagle, and sitting in for the catfish is Riley Gates of GPC. Does this mean I get a salary increase to whatever Ryan is making at the Manhattan Mercury? You are the talking game coordinator for this show. Ah, yes. Okay, cool. And you, my friend, are the sponsor read coordinator of the show. Commerce Bank has the technology and the people to help with whatever financial challenges come your way. Commerce Bank, challenge accepted. I'll get you a title there, Kellis. I'll figure it out. A lot of weird stuff going on. Well, let's just start with basketball. No, you know what? Let's put basketball off the second half. Let's talk about this football stuff. There you go. Let's delay uh, the inevitable. Yeah. And I want my fake million dollars. I know. Uh, I offered Kellis Scotty Hazelton bucks, and I meant to print up Scotty Hazelton bucks with his face. But... <laughs> He'd be pretty sweet to have on a dollar bill. Oh, that beard? He, I know. He looks like a founding father. Only a dollar bill? But it sadly wouldn't bill. get the whole $1, thing. $1,000 bill. Like, It'd have head, to crop it off? Yeah, headshots of dollar bills. I don't know if you could capture the full thing. Or would the beard actually hang down below, and the the bill would have to have a beard extension in the middle of the bottom? It's like a series of bills. You connect them. (laughs) (laughs) Connect them all. Weird-looking dollar bills. We're going to talk about some serious stuff here. Would Scotty Hazelton get one point something million without the beard? I say no. I'm not sure. Scotty Hazelton's off to Michigan State. You cannot blame him for going at that kind of salary. Um Man, basically double your pay. I take double my pay, and it's not even coming close to a million. Um, even, to, even to live in Michigan? I love Michigan, actually. Really? I got relatives just south of East Lansing. Yeah, the winter's, winter's a little rough, but the snow falls and stays in place. It doesn't blow across the plains like it does in Kansas. Good God. Um, I think it's a really good move by him, but I'm just shocked. He literally sat in the studio next to us in the video studio for a power chat a couple weeks prior to this and you know, talked about how happy Brooke and him and the kids were here in town. And But, boy, when that kind of offer comes around, Matt, you can't – I mean, yeah, you can't say, Scott, can't say no. Hard to uh... – you know, hard to, uh, to quibble with that. Um, he'd made a lot of inroads here. I mean, not just coaching, but also on the recruiting front. So it's it stings a little bit, but hey, this has happened a million times over, and 
the world of college football, and it sounds like Joe Klanderman's the guy, and uh, you know his safeties did a good job. He hasn't. I don't think he's coordinated. Or he's not been at DC for a while, but yeah, this uh, is the second time. Yeah, talent. It's uh, he's a talented guy, and I, to be honest, I doubt K State will miss a beat. Yeah, for me, it was a no-brainer. I mean, I, I with him and Van Malone, Van Malone, they they were in good shape either way. Van's had experience there. Van is apparently going to get a new title. He's going to be assistant head coach and defensive passing game coordinator. Um, hopefully someone's in charge of stopping the run. <laughs> but, well, that just harkens back to Coach Snyder. I mean, there were some funky titles I know. for assistance. And Remember someone, when they had three co-coordinators? Yes. Yeah. And someone <laughs> tweeted at me. And I go, hey, it's all about money. It's really – I mean, sure, if uh, – if you know Kleiman's impeached, Van Malone will take over, take over the office. I guess I don't know. I don't know what associate <laughs> assistant head coach truly does. Um, I guess he falls ill, and uh, Van will step up. I, wasn't Sean Snyder like associate head coach, and he wasn't even technically on the staff? For yeah, a yeah, he was a he was an assistant AD and associate head coach. <laughs> well, how does this work? All for the money. Uh, by the way, your new title of talking game coordinator comes with no race. Oh, I don't want it then. <laughs> <laughs> Just added responsibility. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of extra work. Um, it's crazy how much things had to happen to get Hazelton out of here. Because if uh, Michigan, if D'Antonio doesn't retire yep. after taking his money, it doesn't happen. If uh, Michigan State just doesn't throw all that money at Mel Tucker, it doesn't happen. And if they don't have all this money to just throw at Hazleton, it doesn't happen. So it's it's kind of interesting because, yeah, like you said, I mean, he was in here two weeks ago, and his family did like it here. I think there was some hope that even though Michigan State offered him a lot, he'd take less to stay here. But, yeah, I think he was already – he might have already been the highest-paid coordinator in Kansas State history. So to close the gap from – he was at 550 to close that gap all the way to a million-plus, too much to ask, I guess. Well, I think people uh, – yeah, a lot of people were upset, obviously – um, and then kind of blaming Gene Taylor. Oh, you should have paid him more, this and that. The thing of it is, you got to realize this stuff happens to every successful football team out there. Everybody goes through this, but K-State hasn't gone through it for the last, what, 10 years or whatever because of Coach Snyder being here. And his assistants just did not leave for other jobs. They weren't getting offered. Right. And so if you're going to ha- continue to have a successful football program, this is going to happen almost year after year you're gonna see coaches get picked off like this and and particularly at kansas state the budget is what it is yeah i mean i know people want to be able to pay a million dollars plus with the market bears but kansas state just isn't in that financial neighborhood and the budget's gone up and and the budget's it's not like the budget stayed the same from 15 years ago but it's not you know there's not a six million dollar pool for assistance i just was listening to ask the ad and (laughs) it's up to 82 million in revenue or something i mean it's just incredible how much it's grown over the last 20 years since i've been doing this and still they can't compete with those numbers i did find it interesting the michigan state defensive coordinator position is endowed by a family so scotty's now the something family defensive coordinator which i always think is odd but it's a good way to tack on a couple extra hundred thousand maybe into what they can pay the o-line coach there's making seven hundred thousand that's crazy well you know when this popped up we started to look around and i i think we found out that oklahoma's lowest paid coach was higher than the kansas state coordinators just living in a different neighborhood and it is the reality uh, that happens if Kansas State continues to have success. They will continue to lose some coaches because this is one of the things Bill Snyder did very well for a period of time. And then, honestly, he got 
a little lazy with it was identifying young coaches, upcoming coaches, and bringing them in, like a Brett Buma, who wasn't initially with him and then brought him in and had a couple seasons and has gone on to good stuff. Eventually, he just settled in. I remember the press conference when he said, Matt, you were probably there years ago, there are a lot of very good unemployed football coaches. And that turned out to be older guys that settled in at Kansas State and really didn't have other options. Good coaches, maybe not dynamic recruiters, but it stabilized his staff. Um, You know, I don't think Bill Snyder had the same staff back-to-back seasons a single time in the 1.0 era. I think he was someone was poached every year. Maybe towards the end it stabilized, but it was just how he had to do business, and Kleiman's now facing it, and he will face it again. Loyalty and love for community only goes so far. Well, there are always guys looking to take that next step up. So right. I, I know last week when when this started to break, uh, a couple of people asked me, well, is Matt Ince going to come down from North Dakota State? <laughs> no. Nope, he's not. No, he's one or two years away because of Chris nope. Kleiman right. from being He'll a, be head, a coach. head coach at the D1 level. So there's probably what two guys on the staff that probably will never leave K State as long as Chris Kleiman's here. Probably Courtney Messingham. I don't really see him going and and leaving Chris Kleiman. And then even he though was somewhat rumored this, yeah. this off season. I, where, I didn't buy it. Where was that again? There, uh, there was a very. Uh, short report that Texas was interested. Okay, okay. That's right. I don't necessarily buy that. That right. was that I don't felt, that shit, felt like but, an agent, but still he made it on the list of yeah. somebody else's. I don't uh, think he will leave. I think he's that tied in with with climate at this point. And then maybe is Tui too old to be moving a whole uh, lot? He'll move. He'll move. You think he'll he'll get back into the Pac-12 eventually? I bet. But that's just the nature of the game. This will be something. Hazelton basically did the math while I was interviewing. Now going to Michigan State will be his 12th stop in 23 years of coaching. So more than every two years six, he's moving. Six in the last I feel, I feel bad for that family. Yeah. That's got to be rough. Uh, it's incredible. Sixth job in 10 years. Incredible. Um, you could really say, I mean, you, you got to take it as a compliment if you're a head coach and other people are coming in and willing to, I would say, overpay for your coach. Right. Because it's, it's got a, Scotty Hazelton is good. I'm not trying to say he's not worth the money they're paying him. But um, he, mean, didn't, he, he didn't jump at 650. Uh-uh. Yeah, I mean, it's take it took an offer to get him out of here. Yeah, so, and, so I, it, and if somebody's going to come in and take one of your coordinators and pay him, I think last year there were only twenty four million dollar coordinators in the game. If somebody's going to come in and say, "I want your guy and I'm going to pay him that much," then you just got to say, "You know what? Good job, and we'll we'll try to get to by without cap. you." Yep. I haven't had time to to really get into it, but was there a connection? Mel Tucker to no, not that I know. I think so I, I couldn't find. Just I didn't him. know of one. I think they just headhunted him. I think when, Beard you, hunter, when, when you see a very under uh, or a team that lacks in a lot of five star talent limit a limit a conference of air raid to twenty one points a game, it probably and, probably popped right up there. And that third down defense, second only to Wisconsin, probably caught their attention too. They wanted Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Yes, exactly. Good I old I don't wrestling know reference. Oh, you do? Okay. He wouldn't. No. I don't know if Kellis yeah, wouldn't. That was. Frankly, a, I didn't know that was English. I didn't understand a word of what you just said. That was an old wrestling thing. You want to bring up anyone else while you're over there? Not at the moment. Maybe later in the show. Man. I got, got the big showing last week. Yeah, you did. You're yeah. on a roll here with that this. That one I got. I got I got that reference. I, I, oh, wonder, I, I remembered him more when he was the giant. 
Yeah. Good. I remember him when he was Paul White. Mm-hmm. And my buddy Bob Davidson, the, he was at the Hutch News at the time, eventually followed me in the Sun Journal, said, you got to go see this big guy at Wichita State. He's a complete player, except he doesn't have the bolts in his neck. Right. I mean, it's just, he was like Frankenstein out there with good feet. <laughs> the guy was giant. Um, has Brent Venables set up a trend in college football where guys like Scotty Hazleton can really think about being set up for life and never being a head coach? I mean, th- this number he's getting paid – when did Snyder cross the million-dollar line? I mean, it's not that far back in the scope of things. And now coordinators are getting paid. Brent Venables and others are getting paid multiple million dollars not to be a head coach. I just think it's an interesting trend because I wonder if Scotty Hazelton really wants to be a head coach or if it's one of those things in the industry you just had to do to get the payday to get set up for life. He doesn't strike me as a guy that wants to be a head coach. I don't get that vibe. He strikes me as a guy that wants to be a DC in the NFL. Right. I could see that. That's where, that's where I think he, not that he couldn't go higher, but I think that's where he tops out. Was it Albert Breer, I think? Some, somebody tweeted that his name was actually thrown around in the NFL circles this offseason. So, do go to Michigan State, he might make another move next year. Who knows? Do NFL coordinators get that kind of money? Oh, yeah. Man. Callis, what the hell were we thinking when we picked careers? What? Seriously? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I want to write about sports. I wanted they, to talk about you. it. My first job was below the poverty level. I know. I know. I. They tell you when you get to college, you're not going to make very much money. And we're like, oh, okay. Oh. Well, we're happy. My, and that's what really counts. <laughs> my first journalism job was twelve fifty an hour, and I was happy to get it. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I should have known right then. I couldn't can go be a football coach. <laughs> I, was I don't think I would have made it in that teens. Mid-teens. Could you live in a dorm for Three, four years as a GA making $12,000, though, to get your foot in? Oh, yeah. I mean, when you're that age, you You'll suffer for your art back then. You, uh, you, you they kinda, just announced it. Did no, they? they did. Right as we're live here on the podcast. We're not really live. We're live taped. on tape. It is 127 in case anyone's wondering when it was announced. Kansas State has officially announced. Joe Klanderman, defensive coordinator. Van Malone, assistant head coach, and passing game coordinator. Yes. Was he not already an assistant head coach? No, I don't think I mean, so. Nope, just assistant. Just an assistant coach? An assistant to the head coach? <laughs> no one assistant is coordinating the run the game. <laughs> so there we are. Oh, man, that was funny. <laughs> he will continue to tutor the safeties. Klanderman, that tells us they're going to go out and find a linebacker coach. There was a question whether they move Klanderman into the linebacker position because that's more of a coordinator type spot. Although in current defenses, safeties are also pretty critical to tying the front to the back. So now they're going to go out and find a new linebacker coach. And I believe Ryan Walsh has put up a hot list, a hot board of potential linebacker candidates to go power cap. Intriguing. I like this. I like Klanderman a lot. It, it, I know some people are like, it's very K-State just to promote from within. But this guy's got it going on. And so does Van Malone. I, I think, good heavens. I wow. think uh, that's a heck of a vibration there. Um, I think Chris Kleiman did an incredible job hiring his first staff. Mm-hmm. I really do. And he will be poached off a little bit here. But he's got the makings of a staff that, 
the core of it could be in place. Even if Courtney Messingham leaves, Connor Riley might be promoted up into a coordinator position. So, well, think about how many different defensive coordinators the current players have had. They had oh. Tom Hayes. Oh yeah. They had Blake Siler. Very shortly, Ted Monacino, Scotty Hazelton, and now. I mean, I understand the point. Oh, you could maybe bring in somebody with a bigger name or something. But if you do that, then you're bringing in a fifth defensive coordinator in four years. Yeah, at least change things up. I mean, I I have faith in Klanerman. I like him. I thought. Uh, I mean, the defense last year was great against the pass, and that's what he coached. If you were going to criticize anything, it's the run game. And I guess because they don't have a running game coordinator, that's why they can't do it. But I mean, I, yeah, I, I think just to keep continuity and and all that, I'm, I'm all for it. I think it's a good move. Yeah, like Kellis said, the the passing numbers were obviously really really good last year. And one thing that, as time has gone on, we've talked to more players and recruits and things like that. It sounds like Joe Klanderman is a staple in the recruiting process for K State right now, and he does a really good job out there on the recruiting trail. I think if you get him into the coordinator position like that, yeah, he has a he has an excellent chance to to really kind of thrive now that he has a, a bigger role in front of him. He just never really had a opportunity to be a coordinator so far, riding along at North Dakota State and then coming here. So, you know, everybody everybody that makes it big, they kind of everybody had their first big break somewhere. Maybe this is Joe Klanderman's, and you know, it, on February twenty seventh or whatever, what defensive coordinator would you hire outside of? outside of your coaching uh, tree right now and that you honestly couldn't pay Scotty Hazleton anyways. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to probably dip down into the FCS ranks, you know, someone with whom you're familiar and and go find someone um, and then, you know, move on from there. But uh, I I think this was the safest thing to do. It does intrigue me that maybe they left that run game coordinator spot open to pay someone at linebacker. So we'll see how that all develops. Just when we thought this offseason for Kansas State football was nice and calm. Nice and calm. No, it wasn't. Gives us something to talk about other than basketball. A few little boo-boos by players out on the party trail (laughs) this weekend. Celebrating that near victory against Kansas. (laughs) Well, uh, two DUIs for linebackers. Apparently, they were not handling Scotty Hazleton's departure very well. Um, This stuff happens, unfortunately. failure to appear at 4 a.m. How about that? Yeah, that's look. This has been a this has been a problem I've had with how the RCPD does this. Well, that was K State Police, actually. Well, every yeah, everyone does. <laughs> that was this. the funniest thing to me is that okay, so three different players got uh, yeah stuck in it this weekend, and one was one got arrested by Kansas Highway Patrol, one by Raleigh, Raleigh County Police, and one by K State Police. So they hit the trifecta right there. It was very thorough work by the team. <laughs> I didn't want to give one one group too much credit for getting them all. I had to space it out. I couldn't you knock on the guy's door at eight a.m. and say, "Hey, you." Failed to appear. Let's go get this taken care of. No, you got to raid his house at 4 a.m. or whatever. I do want to know what, like how, how it went down. I'm just curious. Yeah, I remember a basketball player having his door kicked in at 3 a.m. for a failure to appear. So literally but, kicked in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. My God. <laughs> Years ago. Yep. Yep. Man. A little aggressive. Make sure you pay your parking tickets in this town. Dang. <laughs> yeah, and we don't know what the failure to appear was, if it was parking or something else. But uh, unfortunately, some young men made some bad decisions. But I think we all did at times. Maybe we didn't get uh, arrested for it, but unfortunately, that happens. Well, and this is – people were asking on the boards, like, oh, is this something we need to be concerned of because of this? And, you know, there was the, the Hunter Rising incident. Or, oh, does Kleiman have a discipline problem? A lot – like, these are all – these DUIs and things like that, that's kind of not necessarily a 
I don't really see that as a, a message of your care, lacking of character. You know, you made a mistake. Right. You, you didn't get arrested for stealing or, or right. you know, something like that. So I know it's not necessarily right to outweigh one crime versus the other, but this isn't something that sets off alarm bells. DUIs are something that uh, are very serious, but um, you can also be three beers in and go over the limit and pay the same price. So we'll see how that all shakes out, but uh, kind of a different weekend for K-State sports fans in terms of uh, these type of things and, and unfortunate things. I'm not worried about this coaching staff. Period. With football, I I think they're going to be fine. He'll go out and find a a good linebackers coach, someone probably dynamic on the recruiting trail. And well, remember, he lost two coaches last year before he ever coached the game. That's true. And they were fine. So they were fine. I would certainly not panic. I although I still am bewildered by the Ted Monachino hire. I don't. That was completely out of left field, and then he got Scotty Hazelton, who turned out to be okay. Pretty yeah, good. Yeah, he was fine. And then Buddy Wyatt. Also was hired to replace Blake, who, ironically, if he had not gone to West Virginia, might be defense coordinator at Kansas State today. Possibly. And yeah. coaching linebackers. <laughs> <laughs> Just never know what life's going to bring you. And I know this. We're going to bring you a break right now on the Insiders Podcast. We are going to gather ourselves and talk about basketball and try to be peppy about it because they played a competitive game. Stay locked in. The PowerCat Podcast will be right back. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We now send it back to Fitz in the WTC gig-powered studios. Welcome back to the PowerCat Insiders podcast brought to you by Commerce Bank. We're sitting in the WTC gig-powered studios. We jet around the internet with our fiber from WTC. And as I mentioned, we're sponsored by Commerce. Whatever financial challenges come your way, Commerce Bank can help. Commerce Bank challenge accepted. Kansas State accepted the challenge from top-ranked Kansas on Saturday at Bramlage. Surprisingly competitive game. I kind of felt like KU slept walk through it a little bit. Didn't shoot it particularly well. Well, K-State didn't shoot it particularly well. Nobody shot it particularly well. This was an ugly game, but that's how Kansas State needed to win. They've won pretty once this season, and that was against West Virginia, and that is the outlier. They were pretty dreadful shooting the ball the entire game. Although, I mean, that first half shooting 44% from the field is stunning. They were 6 of 12 three-pointers in the first half and 2 of 13 in the second half. You talk about coming back down to earth. I was floored that both of those teams, when I checked the percentages at halftime, and I was like, 
That was, KU shot 56%. It didn't, it didn't feel like either team was shooting particularly no. well. No. Well, why it didn't was there were so many turnovers in that first half. I believe KU had 12 in the first half, if I recall. The most stunning stat from the first half, guys, was K-State had three defensive rebounds. So basically either KU made the shot or they turned the ball over on every possession. (laughs) (laughs) Three defensive rebounds and you're down by one. What did you think of the effort, Matt? Uh, The effort was okay. Um, K-State had its opportunities. Uh, Again, didn't hit shots down the stretch. Had a couple of critical turnovers. Yeah, I thought the effort was okay. They only got three points from the bench, which they had to get more than that. Uh, it's just KU did what KU does, and they weren't playing their best. They didn't have to play their best to come into Manhattan and get a win. No. I was befuddled that Kansas State, Kellis, went on such long scoring droughts and just kind of went down every possession looked the same. They didn't run anything. They didn't try to break out of it. They didn't backpick anything. They didn't do anything different other than stand around and, and look for a one-on-one play or maybe move the ball in a three-pointer open up. It was just monotonous. Well, that's been their problem all year. I mean, <laughs> uh, they recruited a team with no shooters and now they're playing a game with no shooters. And I mean, really, the only reason this game was close in my mind, people talk about the effort and all this. I mean, the only reason I saw it was close because they hit four threes at the end of the first half. Right. Just out of nowhere. Boom, 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 boom. Went from being a, a double, double-digit game to really close. And then when that dried up, I mean, the score's tied with eight minutes to go and they go five and a half minutes without scoring yep. against your rival on your home court. And still sound like Bruce there. I know. Boom, boom, boom. boom. <laughs> Listen good. to him a lot K- this year. KU's defense was better in the second half, too. KU's defense. This is as good a so defensive good. team. So good. I've <laughs> Bill Self always plays good defense. Did it strike you as weird that the it seemed like K State players kept trying to switch on to Marcus Garrett? That happened a lot. I, I don't. And yeah. I was just befuddled. I would want nothing. I would want to get as far away from that guy as I could. I know. They they actually handled the ball better against Marcus Garrett than I thought they would. I you know there was a couple matchups Marcus Garrett was covering Cardi and I'm like oh boy he's gonna just take the ball away from him. I thought. Cardi played a great game. He obviously had a lot of excitement, a lot of enthusiasm playing there. McCall finally oh, Mac was great. looked like a college basketball player, so that's always good. But I think you don't really have to look much further than what Devon Dotson did every time he touched the ball, and that was blow by every player on the floor. He made K-State look like they just didn't even belong on his level. It was insane. That guy is so good at basketball. And the, there was nothing K-State could have done to stop it. I, I was Literally. stunned at how fast he is in person. I mean, there was a play out. He was out kind of by the scores table and crossed half court, and then he was at the goal. I mean, he was coming right at me, and I'm like, holy smokes, that kid can move. And he gets himself through tight spots. He puts you in a position to foul. He, he moves his body midair and changes his point of where he's going to release the ball on you, and you just can't help but follow him. It was he's he impressive. It, he makes everybody around him a lot better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does. I thought Cardi played well till about the six minute mark. If he hadn't committed that foul. That, that was a stupid foul. That was. It was a pretty blatant push. I mean, I don't disagree that a lot of people do it and a lot of people get away with it a lot of the times, but it was right was, at midcourt in front yeah. of the official. Two arms extended. I mean, you just can't get that, especially when you've got three already and it's a crucial time. And that killed him. 
They really did. They ran out of gas without Montavious. They're essentially playing with eight guys. I'm not real sure why. They didn't put Pearson out there for just a little bit during the game to get someone some rest. They were shot by the end of the game. They just didn't have enough bodies. You may look at this as a unique nugget. I did. I was asked on Saturday, uh, did a little work for CBS again, to chart KU in terms of their passes per possession. Zero to two, three to five, five plus. And how many times they got a bucket. KU hit 18 shots in the ballgame, which, again, is mind-blowing. You would think they'd have 25 to 30. But anyway, 14 of their 18 made field goals came with two passes or less. Attacking the rim, essentially. Getting to the basket or in transition. Oh, man. You know, and that's really something I feel like this K-State team could do, mm-hmm. and they don't do it. They are better in the open court than the half court, and they just don't do it. Now the eye is on Azubuki to see how long it takes him to come back from the mm-hmm. twisted ankle. But KU got some help on Saturday with Baylor losing to TCU. How about that? I do wonder if that game would have been any different if he hadn't gone down like that. They were doing an okay job. Obviously, it was early. They were doing an okay job on him at that time, but he also had – I felt like he hadn't really ever settled into the game. I can't believe Bill Self put him back in. I was stunned. Yeah. I don't what, – what's to gain? He got hurt again. Now, I know, again, it wasn't a serious injury either time, and, you know, thankfully for on KU's end, he only had a sprained ankle, but – what if you put him back in there and he broke at that time? I mean, you're against the worst team in the conference. Game you were going to win anyways. I I don't get it. Maybe I'm crazy. Were they going to win it without him? Because McCormick's foul prone. I don't they, think they lose that game if he doesn't play again. I don't, he didn't do that much after he came back. He, he just, had one hell of a dunk. He's kind of a body. So easy for him to dunk. <laughs> He's at the rim already. I know. Um, I, I thought it was strange K State didn't go attack David McCormick right away. He's very foul prone. At that point, it didn't look like Doke would come back. I don't know why you didn't go after him, but they didn't. And KU gets out of there with a win. That's what good teams do. They find a way to make an extra play. What y'all think of the crowd? I yeah, let's talk about that. That was where I was going to go next. I. It was what I thought. I was a little stunned by the student crowd being that small. But I don't blame them either. It's not like this team has given them a lot to root for. It's a beautiful day in Manhattan, Kansas. You know, they just did something else. I was, I've was i never seen it like that for a KU game. It's just what I was going to say. I've never seen it like that for a K-State KU matchup. Yeah, I've been every, I've been every year since Woolies last year, and it – it was never like that. No. Empty sections. Well, it was weird because it seemed like the alumni areas were totally full. It's just that student area. Yeah, and that's why that it gets back to, tickets. and people always think that we're roasting them, the students and criticizing them when we say this, but they need to have a smaller ticket allotment for the students until they prove we're going to come here, we're going to fill the place every single time. Because all those GA seats that were open, I mean, I'm not saying they would have been purchased by a ton of fans, but... They go out to for fans to buy them instead, and then it's a little bit different instead of saving them for students. I've never looked at the student section, and except for like KU games in the last few years, and said, oh, well, the students deserve more seats. They just never fill it that much. They fill the main two sections, and that's it. I, but I think 24, I, I don't know if it's just for this game in particular, but I think 24 and 25, the two sections that were wide open, 
I think those are for students right. for this game. Right. And I was, uh, I don't. How much did it cost? Anybody? Mm. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. They oversell that student allotment just right. for this game, and knowing that it won't be full for other games, and you just expect that you expect it to <clears throat> fill in. And I think the pregame clock was down to about eight minutes, and it was just it was barren in the southeast corner. Just like wow. Again, I, I'm kind of like you. I don't really blame them. If I didn't really care that much about it and I was a student and I could do yard games all day on a beautiful day like that, sure. But also, it's I think it's pretty telling that that's how quickly they've quit, you know, just one year removed from Big 12 Championship. I actually thought it was a pretty good crowd, all things considered. That's probably the saddest thing about everything. But it was sh- shocking to look down and see an attendance of 9,000 in that game. It and there was, were a lot of KU fans. Yeah, that I was going to say, there were some plays by KU that there was a pretty good roar in there for them. I'm like, wow, this this hasn't happened in a long time where you have this kind of contingent from KU inside of Bramlage. I, I thought <clears throat> I thought that was about, outside the West Virginia game, about as well as this team's played this year. And they still shot it poorly. They're just, they like you said, Kels, they didn't recruit shooters. What, what are we surprised at here? This is the team that they recruited really offensively deficient and painful to watch. And I'm going to be blunt. I don't think Bruce Weber creates enough opportunities for his team to steal a point here and there. You know, a team that doesn't hit free throws and uh, he doesn't run set plays. He never does a two-for-one at the end of a half. He just doesn't create little windows of opportunity to put his team in a better position. But that's just me. I think this week is really telling – you know, does Bruce still have their attention? Do the players still are they still invested? Because you're facing two teams in Oklahoma State and Iowa State that you can beat. I'm not saying I'm expecting them to win, but they played Oklahoma State really close. They played with Iowa State a little bit. You got Tyrese Halliburton out now. I mean, it's not as good of a team. They're kind of struggling right now too. You could potentially get two wins and close out this season. And it's two teams that are on your level. Can you actually can you come out and have the same fire? Because they clearly were up a little bit more because it was KU. Right. That's going to happen. But can you come out with the same intensity and try to get some wins here at the end so you don't go two and sixteen? Or are you just going to come out and not really care? I mean, the tenth seed's already locked up. You're you're already playing there. It's, nothing they do this week is going to change anything. But how will they answer that? That's what I'm interested about. Interested to see. These are the. Eighth and ninth place teams in the conference that they play this week. Oklahoma State on Wednesday night in Stillwater. Riley will be there. And then they come home and close out their season Saturday with Iowa State. They have now ascended to five wins apiece. It wasn't too long ago where these teams were kind of piled up at the bottom of the conference standings. And now K-State sits alone with two wins on the season. We'll see if K-State can muster something and put a better product out there um, and get a win. I personally think this team's probably going to Fold it up and pick up three more losses and move on to the offseason. That's just me. Different topic, if yeah. I may, right oh. quick. I think Devon Dotson's locked up player of the year in the conference. Who's your, fr- who's your first five? Mm. Who's your first team? That's a good question. Al Dotson. And Doak. Doak. Um, Butler at Baylor. <sighs> and, yeah, it's kind of up for debate after that. Yeah, without having the stats in front of me, I'm not sure. I mean – Nobody. I was just thinking to put Doolittle on there. I I'd say Doolittle, yeah. Probably out of 
and then one other guy. lack of other guys. I think the conference is bad this year, guys. Oh, it I is. think there's there's <laughs> maybe I think KU's good, but I think I don't think KU's as good as they appear to be because the conference is bad. I mean, I, I'm really the difference between second and third in the Big Twelve is enormous. I mean, how about Tech is falling off the map? West Virginia's falling off the map. West, I, I think West Virginia might be playing worse than anybody in the whole league right now. Oh my God! I think K State, if they worse if they than K State, and they might. I think that'd be a game. I, I mean, mean, if you got the performance, they beat them once. If you got if you got the performance you got against KU, sure. But if you got Baylor, K State, yeah, West Virginia. Wow, they're now in the bottom half of the league. They're seven and nine. Hugs has to do something different, man. You've got to figure out oh, something that's else. That's the thing. Like you ask about top five, I feel like all year people had Culver and Schwebe. In that mix, but West Virginia's played so bad lately. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you put either of those guys in there. Who's your fifth guy? Will somebody from Texas sneak in? It might be. It might be Jemias. Um, yeah, from Tech. From yeah. Tech. That's probably who I would say. Jemias Ramsey. Ramsey. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. I'm. A, I'm. It, might, it might be two Baylor. Two Baylor guys. Yeah, Teague. You can put Teague on there too. Teague and Butler. Dotson and Heck, this would, this would be an appropriate year for all KU or Baylor. Just only players mm-hmm. from those two teams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I agree. And I don't see anyone even being an honorable mention from this K-State team. Oh, no. No. <laughs> Not even. Guys, you go back to some of those really bad They'll teams. give it to Sneed or Jada. If they give it to Xavier Sneed, I'd, somebody's got some answering to do. Well, he probably would get for the Big 12 because don't they have three teams? Yeah, they go all the way to the third yep. team, so. He'll he'll be yeah oh. yeah one of, he's one of the top twenty players in the conference so I bet he'll get it from the coaches honorable mention from the AP no we grazed over this but Malween looked more invested in this game than he has all season long he, he was, was talking, talking trash <laughs> he was defending his butt off he did a great job defending their big men only had two fouls five and nine from the field five rebounds not great but. And a minus eight on the plus minus. And come on, guys. Without him, they would have been in huge trouble. So that just kind of, again. But indicates. please keep referring to that. Yeah. You know how deceptive that can be on a game-to-game basis. What's happened to Sloan going the other way? Man. <sighs> yeah. They don't seem to want to play him anymore. It's kind of a. Turnovers old, are up. Kind of old takes exposing me on that one. Well, well I wonder if he hasn't kind of hit a wall, too. I think he's hit a wall. Yep. Mac was really good, though. And I, I thought it was interesting because when we had media before the game, I asked him if he was fired up to play Doak, and he was just like, "Oh yeah, I can't wait to prove what I'm about here." And I never heard, I'd never seen him speak enthusiastically about anything. Yeah. And then he comes out and plays like that. I mean, it it just kind of goes to show you though that what he's capable of when he actually turns it on. And that's what's so yeah. frustrating. Yeah. How rarely we've seen guys. It. He caught the ball and threw a left-handed jump hook off the glass and in. And I'm like, that you haven't shot that all season. You get that opportunity all the time because everyone's taking away your right hand. I just assumed he couldn't do it, and he just did it effortlessly. I'm like, dude, that shot is open every time because people are taking away your right. Of all the people on this team to get fired up to play KU every time, I would not have expected it to be a junior college transfer, started at Utah, and somehow found his way here and has not played good at all. But he always he loves playing KU. I think he just naturally likes playing big dudes. Yeah. You know, I 
for whatever reason, I think he sees that as a challenge and <laughs> rises to the occasion. I, I can't uh, I can't think of another reason to explain it, but he's always played pretty good against big guys. It's you put him up against a six six guy who you'd think he'd dominate, and he just folds. It feels like he's got a chip on his shoulder against yeah. guys like Doke. Well, he could get him again in Kansas City if no, this no. team can go. It would have to be in the championship game. Uh, my, my wife actually asked me that. Oh, today. that's right. She said, that's well, right. Yeah, she asked me, what are the odds that KU and K-State could play on Thursday? I had the bracket wrong in my head, yeah. Yeah, because they played the two. Because they'd be the 10 seed. Well, and, unless Baylor can jump KU, and KU would be the two seed. So you need TCU to go into Allen Fieldhouse and do something stupid this week. Yeah. Wouldn't that be amazing, though, if uh, – K-State did make it to the Big Championship game and played KU again. <laughs> I also joked about this today. Yeah, sure. It was uh, called amazing. With, with one more loss, okay, here's here's quite the conundrum here. With one more loss, K-State will set the all-time school record for most losses and conference losses in a season, right? So very bad. But, but, if they win their final 12 games, they finish with a winning final record two. and win the national championship. <laughs> oh, no, he meant 12. He did. Yes. They win their final two regular season games, all four in Kansas City, and all six in the I NCAA tournament. If, they will finish 21-20. and 20. If this team were to somehow to win the Big 12 championship, I think they would still stick them in Dayton. <laughs> this will make it 13 games. Oh, absolutely. Uh, well, Actually, they can be, I don't think. They can't? Uh, no, maybe they can't be. It would have to be as the 16 seed play in. Yeah. I think they well, would jump that. They'd be like a... The brain matter you wasted on that, you're never getting back. <laughs> But think about that. They, that's, no, I'm not. It's mathematically possible. <laughs> think about that. They can both set the record for most losses no. in a season and win the whole thing. I just want it on the record right now <laughs> that I'm planning on driving home on Thursday morning after K-State plays in the Big 12 tournament, not staying until Saturday. Are you going to pack clothes for the whole time just in case? I'm not going to pack for the championship, no. I'll pack for Thursday, and I'll pack for Friday. How about that? And then, But not Wednesday? Well, I'll be wearing my Wednesday oh, clothes. Come on now. It'd be funny if you did it naked. No. <laughs> no, no I don't no, think. <laughs> no. No. I'm not going there. No. Do we have a media on Tuesday of that week? Never covered a Wednesday game before. It's up to the programs if they want to have a media thing. At their, but it used to be an open mm. practice, but now they've changed that because nobody went because it's the four worst teams. Hmm. My guess, you'd have to ask Tom, but my guess is they would not. They want, would not. They would not welcome that media. No. Right. One they, night they've in done hotel. it. They've done it in the past, you know, to try to get the word about about them playing in Kansas City. But now, if I'm going to pack from Friday, I might as well just pack for the whole thing. Baseball Whatever. opens at home. Yeah, handled an inferior opponent. Yeah. That's what. That's what PU's squad need. Uh, get the offense. Some confidence, and they'll find out a little bit more about themselves. Stanford is down, uh, but they always play a good non-conference schedule. But for Stanford this weekend will be interesting. K-State right now has uh, is top 20 in Team ERA at 2-1-9. Um, hmm. And not all of that is because of last weekend. They've, uh, Jordan Wick's been real good. I'm telling you, yeah. And he's been the number three starter. So um, K-State's... Is there it, hope the, for the bats? Yeah. Uh, they've just been inside a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, as I asked P. Hughes the other day, and I knew what his answer would be. I mean, like him, I've seen this a million times. You're not practicing outside every day. It, it takes the offense a little bit to kick it in gear. With Wicks, are they starting him on he's the Sundays because he's the third best pitcher? Or they? I don't know if I'd say Sunday. he's the third best, but um, that's where they've got him slotted. Okay. 
So you'll see. Is there, Seymour, is there a reason to that? I, I feel like most most schools put their ace guy on Friday. Not always. No. Okay. Nope. Not always. Just depends on the coach. I mean, you have two guys in front of him that are throwing ninety two, ninety five. Wicks does not throw ninety two, ninety five. So now after two games of seeing that, they come back with him. Yeah. You go two righties and then a lefty, and he's got he may have the best changeup in the Big Twelve, and he's got he's worked on it, and he's also added another pitch. They so. should put him in the middle, make it. Real yeah, weird. some do that. Some go righty, lefty, righty, or whatever. But, um, you know, the, the offense will get there. They have to be a little more judicious with what they swing at. But so far, so good. What's their record right now? Six and five. I, too, need to be more judicious with what I swing at. In regards to what? When was the last time you got podcasting, baseball? Just life. Podcasting. Uh, I, last time I threw a softball was, I don't know, how many years ago? 2002. It's more recent than that. Blew out a knee mm-hmm. and never played again. And with that? We're done. We're not even going to talk about the women playing Baylor. I think just mentioning that is all we need to say. Well, they've got two games this week they can win, right? And should win Oklahoma State and KU. I think you gotta. I think you gotta get a win in Kansas. You gotta win those two. You gotta get a win in Kansas City. Yep. And hope in. and hope that the bubble is nice to you. Well, if they finish above five hundred in the conference, it's going to be really hard to keep them out. Yeah, that's that's the why thing. if they win if they win both of those games. They're probably going to get in, and they'll probably be like a, I don't know, ten seed, eleven seed. It'll be like low. That. Yeah, Charlie Cream didn't even have them like as a bubble team last I checked, and so Their that's RPI what the is just dragging them down, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. They and their that non conference was just really bad. Worst case scenario, they host a game in Bram, games in Bramlage for the WNIT. They will be a top seed. So, not bad. Very good. You going to cover everyone. that? I need something else right yeah, now. I ain't covering about postseason on. men's basketball, that's for sure. Women's hoops and baseball to cover. I'm, I'm going to go cover the Vegas 8. Is that even a thing? No. No. But I'm still going to go do it. Mm-hmm. And it was supposed to be the Vegas 16. You got to go to Vegas for quote-unquote work already. Oh, boy, I worked hard. I worked harder there than I did on this podcast. You've been listening to the PowerCat Insiders Podcast, presented by Commerce Bank. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.